Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. I've asked uh, Ryan, Ryan, come on, man. Ryan's going to be sharing the word with us today. <clears throat> and I want to I talk about this guy for a second, just a second, because you, you, Ryan's not going to push himself out to the forefront, but I've watched this guy just grow in the seven years that I've known this guy into somebody I admire deeply. Like this man walks with the Lord, puts into practice what he learns, lives intentionally, and he's walked with many of us in the room. And uh, man, I can't wait for you to open up the word and share today. God's gifted you, and uh, you're a great pastor and a great friend, man. Thank you. I just love you so much and proud of you. Yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah. Ryan. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I just, uh, I just love this church. <laughs> I love it. Uh, like, it's just a joy to do life with you guys. Um, it really is. And we have incredible pastors and friends here who just, you know, you just see people's lives being changed and moved every single week. You know, I was just talking to my new friend, Henry. He said, you know, every morning I'm signing that paper, and it's been awesome. Like, it's, it's just, Lord, whatever you have today, I'm in for it. Um, before I start, let me just uh, let me just pray. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you love us, that you have gone at extraordinary lengths for us to see that you love us, to help us to know you to love you, to follow you. God, would you just use this time to do whatever it is you want to do? Uh, we trust in you doing amazing things, even through weak and uh, just small beginnings, you know? God, we love you. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been in uh, the book of Acts the past few weeks, and uh, Jay and, and Adam have been so awesome in just their ability to, to share this word with us of, of what, is, what does it look like to receive this promise of the Holy Spirit? So Jesus goes on the cross, he dies for our sin, he comes back and he says, guys, wait he gives them this mission, and then he says, wait, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father. Because when you receive him, then you will have power. So like this power is not from our doing, it's not from our, our knowing, it's not from anything else, it's him. It's the person of the Holy Spirit who now lives in us. Like I think, I think sometimes we forget, like, like 
every time we, like, we, we, there's this thing where we pray and sometimes we, like, look up and stuff, but, like, he's here in our hearts. He's promised to be here if you are in Jesus. So we're going to be in Acts 2 today, the coming of the Holy Spirit. So if you've got your Bible, open up to Acts 2, and we'll read this first little section. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. So what's happening here is this, is this is the fulfillment of the entire promise. God says, wait, and I will send my spirit, and, and you will have power. This is that exact moment. And the heavens actually open up, and there's such a loud noise that all of the people in Jerusalem are start gathering to this one place. What was that? So they start gathering, and I don't understand it, but whoever was there, as they received the Holy Spirit, they began to speak, and as they spoke, they were talking in complete different languages. I don't know about you guys, but that just is insane to me. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine if, you know, Peyton just started speaking in Portuguese, and Jay was speaking Russian and, you know, we were all just speaking in different languages, like how wild that would be. Like, like, I don't, like at the end of this story, you know, there's people here looking at them saying like, man, these people got to be drunk because this looks ridiculous. But like when the spirit comes, we, like, we, we don't have really any clue what he's doing, but there's immediate feedback when we see that there are people from all over the nations gathering to each person saying, how is it that you're speaking my language? Only by the Holy Spirit, only by the power of God. Isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit decided to manifest himself that day? Isn't it just kind of interesting, like a lot of these people, you know, these are 
These are devout Jews, is what it says here. So these, these people are respectable Jews who have all of the best intentions to love God, but at the same time, they're missing the mark, right? They're faithful. They know scripture. They are so concerned about their purity that their rules have rules. They spend weeks on end traveling to Jerusalem just to give offerings to God and worship him. These are people who want God, but at the same time, when God actually shows up through Jesus, when he was doing these miracles, some of these same people were there, and they couldn't recognize him. But when the Holy Spirit comes, this, the same thing happens, but there's almost a divide this time. There's a divide between these people who are like, I don't understand what's happening. These are simpletons. And, and that's the exact people that God's trying to fill, the simplicity of the people who are willing to just say, hey, whatever you have, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. They didn't learn those languages in classes. They were given. So I just wanted to like talk about like there's this view of God versus like what God's actually showing up as, right? And to the outside world and to the the to, to some, they're looking at this in complete disapproval, but others are being completely changed by what's happening because God's moving in power. And I just wanted to say, like, there's nothing more valuable than us to know the person of God, the person relationship with God. Because if, if we have a relationship with the person of God, then when he says something and it, it doesn't quite line up with our expectations or with our theology sometimes or with any, any of that stuff, it, it allows us to have faith that, no, this I know God and what he's willing to call me into, I'm willing to step into because I know him, not just, well, let me look at my rule book necessarily. So we are invited into this participation because when, when the Holy Spirit comes, it says they started to speak. Like, I think there are moments in my life when, like, I, I really feel like the Lord shows up and something happens to me rather than me being really involved. But I think that's the more likely like this exception to the rule. Like I think there's a, there's a true participation with the spirit. There's, there's like a stewarding of that relationship. There's a stewarding of, of how to hear his voice and how to follow him, how to, how to walk with him. And, you know, there, there's all these times when like, it just feels like the spirit comes and all of a sudden you feel in worship like you're just you're just in a different place but some some things that really just practically break this down is like what is the spirit doing like why, like how do we partner how do we like have a participation with him 
Like, what is he doing in the first place? And he's always doing is seeking and saving the lost, and he's building his bride for Jesus, which is our church, which is us. I remember the first year or so when I, when I, I felt the first experiences of the Spirit, and it was like these wild times of, of just, it, it felt like I was reading his word in black and white, and like I, it was just like a lot of, I really ought to, like I, I should read this. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get to see everything in brand new color, and you're just like, I can't believe how real this is to me. And just it just downloads, and you're just like, I need more and more and more. You're just like stirred this hunger. I remember in worship and 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 praying and and just like Presbyterian churches and is like a, a different style of church, but um, I just remember the spirit would come on me, and I, I don't know what I said, but like it just happened. But most of the time now, it really feels like this participation. And what does that look like? It, to be honest, it's, I really feel like it's this still, small voice a lot of times, this whisper of an invitation. Brian, do you want to participate? Here's what I'm doing. It's talking to that coworker, and they start talking about, hey, I'm, I'm a little late. I had to you know, deal with the family emergency. Let me talk you through this part of the job and let them talk through and just say, like, I can't get this off my mind. What is it that your family's got an emergency on? And you've got to just ask about it and pray for it right there in the moment and just see God move. A lot of times it's, you know, for me particularly, it's like, it's just like these images and um, or just like a word, and it feels like just like this small nudge. And, you know, in prayer, sometimes it's a, a person pops up in your head, and it's not an accident. That's the Spirit saying, hey, I'm interceding for this person. Do you want to participate with me? Do you want to join me? There's always this invitation. And sometimes it's just weird, to be honest. Like, I think sometimes I get, I get somebody in the rooms highlighted, and then I get just a random word, and uh, you're just, you don't know what to say because you're like, Lord, do I really have to do, it? What, what does that mean? Because it's like, go talk to that person about tomato soup, and you're like, no, I, no, like, please tell me what you're, Tell me first, and then I'll go. And, he, and sometimes he's just like, no, I need you to go talk to that person about tomato soup. And you're just like, oh, man. Okay, let's go do this. And, and then you find that, like, he just, he hits something in a chord. And it doesn't make sense to us a lot of times. But, man, you can test it every single time with the fruit of what he produces through that through this relationship, because we do know him. We can know him. Sometimes it's, it, it's just very practically, you know, it's encouragement. 
it's even his spirit comes in the room and it just changes everything. I've, I was, uh, I was dealing with an addiction for almost seven years. And the Lord entered the room one day and he spoke to me about that and he delivered me immediately. And I never went back in that one moment. And I just want to say, like, there's such a unique power when God's involved, when it's his words, when it's his plan, when he's speaking to us as a people, rather than us trying to to, to just get better at something, just involve him more, when in reality he wants, hey, I want to show up. I want to do something in my power, my strength, not just allow you to be a better version of yourself. And in that power and in that strength, it literally changes everything. And you realize in, in the course of this that all of these whispers and these nudges are allowing us to step further into the heart of God if we're willing to, to just say yes. Like if you get anything today, I just want, I want you to know that we can have enough, we can know him enough to say yes, and the rest requires faith. That if we were to step, we were to step in faith because we know enough of his character, we know enough of his goodness, we've seen enough from him in our lives that we can just trust that he's so good and that he will do the rest. But, you know, if I'm being just very practical, like there's so much value on us needing feedback when we're learning to listen to the spirit, to follow the spirit to do it in a safe place where people care about you and trust you. And, you know, there's been countless times when, when it just feels like you get this impression and you go and pray for somebody who's, who's sick or you feel like the Lord's asking you to pray for healing and you haven't seen it happen. But I, I know that Jesus is the image of what it looks like for a human to carry the Holy Spirit. And that's the model. So there's been a lot of failures. Like, but at the end of the day, I think, I think what God desires in his people is for you to know him enough to just be willing to say anything. To say, God, whatever you want to do, I'm in. And not put eggs in different baskets for all of us as a church of believers to, to put all of the chips on black 15 and let them roll. Yeah, I, I feel like I was messed up for the the better part of 
the rest of my walk when um, we just got real around a fire one day with some friends, and um, I felt like there was somebody who was super heavy sitting there, and we had just asked him to to share so we could pray over it, and, um, you know, initially he was just kind of like, yeah, just pray for comfort, that I'd be like, I'd be comforted. And we, like, I think there was some expectation in the room of just like, hey, let's, let's just, we will pray for comfort if that's what you want. But what is it that you really want? And he sat there for a while. And he finally answered and he said, I want my baby to have a heartbeat. And then we said, okay, let's pray for that then first. So we began to pray. And a week later, he had the doctor's appointment. And their baby, still in the mother's womb, it's got a heartbeat. And that little girl is alive to this day. And that, I got to say, like, that messes you up pretty good. So that if that's on the table, I don't want to not ever pray for what is possible with God. It is not, it was, that was not me or any of us sitting around that fire that is the Spirit of God saying, this is what I want to do if you would just believe. And then would you like to participate in what I'm doing? So a lot of us know that we, we asked for that same exact prayer, and it did not happen. And I don't understand it to this day. But at the end of the day, I know enough that I am ruined for anything else but Jesus. And it's good. And I think if we read this book in Acts, we find that people have put all of their chips on Jesus because of what they've seen. And over and over, we see the story of the church growing and growing and growing because of it. And it's beautiful when people put everything on Jesus because they know enough. There's a guy in here named the Apostle Paul who's just like a hero in the church. You, you got to read through the rest of Acts and just read about his life. But having the Spirit in us does not make life comfortable or easy. Like, this is... 2 Corinthians, this is Paul himself talking about his life after walking like this. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, 
often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all of that, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches. That's not like the best uh, list to say, come all in, right? Like, I mean, that's pretty intense. It's not a comfortable lifestyle. And I, I think I'm, every time I read stuff like that, I'm, I'm convicted because a lot, so much of my personal decisions are about my comfort, not what God wants to do. But I think if we were to ask the Apostle Paul right now, who is alive in the cloud of witnesses, cheering us on to finish the race well, and ask him, Paul, would you, would you like go back and do anything different? Would you, would you not appeal to Caesar so you don't have to go to Rome? Would you not go to Damascus? Would you not go to Asia? Would you change it around so you could do your ministry in your own way? And I think his answer would be no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, what happened to me was everything that needed to happen. What happened to me was worth the price. I have seen a treasure lost in a field, and in my joy, I went and sold everything to have it because it's a person, it was Jesus. And it changes everything. So I've got a, a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and my four-year-old Cohen and I have started uh, climbing trees a bunch lately. And it's been just a ton of fun, just seeing him get excited and comfortable climbing trees, confident. And we've got these two trees up front. One's like a big poplar or something, and one's a, a dogwood, which is a smaller tree. And this bigger tree's got like a limb that hangs pretty low, so he can kind of pull himself up on it. So he'll climb up in the tree and play around a bunch, and then when he decides he's done, he'll just, he's gotten to this point where he feels comfortable enough to where he can jump off this four-foot limb. And he's so proud of himself, like so proud. And I'm, I'm just like so thrilled to watch him. And uh, one day he said, Dad, I want to climb that dogwood. So I, I went over and I put him up in the tree because this one doesn't have a limb to kind of pull yourself down from it. And he starts climbing around, and a few minutes later he's, he's ready to get out, and he just hesitates. And he's, he's about to jump down, but he says, Dad, I, I need your help. And I said, Cohen, like, look over there. Look at this other tree over here. It's the same exact height, bud. Like, come on, just, just jump to me. And he just freezes. I said, okay, um, how about you jump to me instead? If you don't feel comfortable jumping on the ground, jump to me. And I'm just looking at him, and I've just got my arms out. And I got my smile, just like proud dad mode. Just, come on, buddy, jump. And... At first, he's got a smile and he's about to leap, but then you just see him hesitate and start to look down. And you can tell, you can just like see on his face, the more he looks down, the longer that jump gets. And then fear just starts to seize up in him. 
and I'm just calling his name. Hey, just look at my face. Look at my face. Come on. Hey, buddy. Just look at my face. And he's just, he's unable. He's seizing up. So I pull him out of the tree, and I talk to him. And a few weeks later, we started driving around in my truck, and out of the blue, he's just like, Dad, look out there. Look at all those trees that I could climb. And aren't these it was just this field of just like these tiny little trees. And it was in that moment I realized Cohen has already put an expectation on what he's willing to climb based off that experience, that one experience. And my heart was so grieved that 90% of the other trees that were around, he was not even going to attempt to climb. And my heart as a father for him was just like, Kerwin, whatever it takes, we're going to go back to the trees and we're not going to let this thing keep us from jumping, keep us from climbing. And I think what, I, what matters the most is not that I want him to get work on his ability to climb trees, work on his confidence to do that. I want him to spend time with dad. I want, I want me to be able to be in his life so much that his trust for me is so high. The value for that trust is so high that no matter what he does, he can do it and trust that dad's got him. Like not his ability, not his willingness to have risk or anything like that, but his ability to just look at dad and say, I trust you. I will jump because I know you're good. We're going to spend a minute just in worship, but I just wanted us to, I wanted us to consider What, what trees do we feel like we're in to where we just feel stuck and unable to jump to God? Or what are, the, what are the ones that we just feel like are off limits? Like we had, we had this bad experience. Like we have this wound and I just don't want to go back to that place. What is that? But I believe if we allow ourselves to know him enough to where we can say, I don't know where we're leading. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what it looks like when you show up, but I trust you enough to take that step. And because you live in me, you're gonna find a way to come under me and show up in power to do amazing things, God. Things that only your spirit can do. So we're just going to take some time to worship. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come and speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts, Lord. What are you inviting us to participate in today? <laughs>